Dublin. Oh, just a wake up! You're guilty! Justin Madden's got the set. One hand. Oh, oh, oh. oh the post is broken. Matthew's in it. Oh, talk about a he-man. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. And Julian, welcome to you and welcome Australia for another edition of This Is Your Football Life. And thousands of men have played the game at this the highest level. Some play and move on. Others have more of an impact. And a select few make a lasting impression like today's guest. He is a 300-game player for St Kilda and also kicking over 300 goals. St Kilda Premiership player in 1966, so that narrows it down a bit. St Kilda captain in 1979, St Kilda team of the century and St Kilda Hall of Fame. He should be in the St Kilda Hall of Fame because he kicked that famous point and you're right, it's Barry Breen. And my goodness me, there's some water gone under the bridge since we played together at Mrabin there, uh, Damien. Hello, Rex. Yes, there has. Lots and lots of years and uh, lots of things that happened in the uh, since those days, those heady days in 1978, 77, 76. They were good days. They, they were good days, but the best day of all was that last Saturday in September in 1966. And we'll get to that in a moment. You'll probably say, oh, not again. But just remember that Cowdie and Stewie and all those blokes that get together, Mocker, to celebrate that day in 1966 wouldn't be there unless you'd have played so well during the uh, final series particularly. OK, uh, tell us about your junior days. Uh, you were recruited from the Federal League, uh, Mentone. It was a pretty strong league in those sort of days in the under-17s. Uh, under under well, yeah. you, you'd know that, Rex, coming from Parkdale and, and having your brothers playing for Parkdale and, and against uh, the under-17 side I played with at Mentone. Yeah, there's some great players came out of that comp. Um, a lot went to Melbourne and uh, many went to St Kilda and unfortunately a couple went to Richmond. Yeah, exactly. What what makes a bloke make it? You know, I say unashamedly I was about the 15th best player at one stage in the under-15s at Parkdale, then grew, got my confidence, and then I became okay. But I can remember the Hewitt brothers at Cheltenham were dominating. Uh, that Morrie was six foot six or something. Morrie Bartlett was just like a Greek god. Correct. Uh, Kenny Osborne played in the centre for a while for Bobby Melbourne. Langford. Bobby Langford, David Groves from your club. Mm-hmm. Why don't they go on and make it? Well, look, man, I think it, there's a lot of good fortune in 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 having a long career in in the AFL. Uh, right sort of place at the right time. Um, you also have to w- have the desire to do it and work hard to get there. And I'm sure those guys work reasonably hard. But um, I think it, it's all about timing and, and perhaps the position you play and uh, what opportunities open for you. And once that opportunity opens up, you grab it and, and hang on to it and uh, hopefully uh, have a long and illustrious career. Uh, St Kilda had moved from the Junction Oval at uh, St Kilda down to Linton Street, Moorabbin. It was exciting times, a new venue, new grandstand, new home, a young coach called Alan Jeans. It was just the recipe to bake a beautiful big cake, wasn't it? Well, we had the side, Rex, and and a young side and and lots of great players that were in the early stages of of their career. As you mentioned, Stuart, uh, Carl Dittrich, Dale Griffiths, Ross Smith, Ian Cooper, we had a very, very good side and into that side came another four or five or six players that were 17 or 18 that finished up playing in the uh, in the Premiership team, Jeff Moran, myself, Alan Davis. Um, 
we just had a very, very good side and, and great mentors in terms of learning how to play and, and what was required to succeed at AFL level at that time. And when you've got players like Bulldog, Stewart, Hal, Murray, Dittrich, it's not very difficult to uh, to slot into a side and learn. Yeah. How did you end up at Moorabbin? Uh, as you said, a few went to Melbourne. Uh, I went to Richmond. I was in the federal. don't know whether I lived on the right or wrong side of Point to P and Road, as it used to be called. But how did you end up at Moorabbin? And tell us your early days at Moorabbin when you walked in and you saw some of the biggest names in the game training alongside you. Well, I could have gone anywhere, Rex, and so could you. And... Um because the territory was unallotted in those days. Beyond um, South Road, Moorabbin, you could go where you want to go. And um, I had a look at Melbourne, Collingwood and a couple of other clubs. I was always going to play for St Kilda because I barracked for them from the day I could remember. So uh, that was always a given for me. And, and did I get any money? No. They paid for my education, yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, signed the piece of paper, signed the Form 4. And then went to Moorabbin in February and walked into the old cricket change rooms that you remember well yes. and saw all those players and said, what the hell am I doing here? I was 16, no, I just turned 17, skinny, um, and amongst some legends that, that I grew up watching play football like Bulldog and, and Morrow and Howe from the 50s and to be playing with those guys was... Uh, quite a thrill what uh, this is Barry Breen he is a star 300 game veteran for uh, St Kilda and the man yes he doesn't like it but he kicked yes, that I point did. and yes, uh, of course it. you do you, you always have loved it and you always will because when you get in the room with those premiership players it's just so special that non-premiership players can't appreciate it uh, you started off slowly you didn't slacken off in 65 but you played four games but in 66 you seemed to sort of say I know what this is all about and you became a regular fixture in a side that was clearly going places I played every game in 66 I think I was on the bench in the last game against uh, Fitzroy at the Brunswick Street Oval when Carl whacked Daryl Peebles and got four weeks and I would I played centre-half back most of that year um, and and Jeansy thought that role perhaps would have been a bit too much for me in the final series, so he put me on the half-forward flank. And, and Ruck Rover with Ian Cooper. I didn't have to do a lot of work because Humper stayed on the ball, he didn't come off, yeah. which suited me fine. Yeah. And uh, I was across half-forward around the wing area and, as you said, enjoyed a good final series in 66, and, and which obviously culminated in... Uh, in kicking five behinds in the grand final. Cowboy says he kicked five goals. I kicked five behinds. He did. He said it's, uh, you know, and, and you say, well, it's still five kicks. And uh, unfortunately, this far down the track, uh, Barry, if six points doesn't equal a goal, so I'm out of it anyhow. That's it. Now, 66 grand final. We're going to get to it. And uh, let's now relive Mike Williamson's excitement as you kicked that point. This is madness. They're all on the ball. There Stinger. we go. Up goes Minot. He gets a tap down. Potter has it. He can't break clear. It's taken by Green. It's a point. It's a point. St Kilda in front. St Kilda in front. How yes. long have they been playing, Mike? They have been playing. If my hand will stop shaking, I can see the watch. 27 and a half minutes. Murray's kicked to the wing position on the outer side. And how good are you, Barry Breen, when Murray had the ball and he kicked it out to the left half back flank? Who Morrow, marked? Morrow took the mark. 
Mocker. And Mocker. does he remind me, I was at a function with him the other day, and besides catching salmon off the 90-mile beach where Louis the Fly used to run along there in the uh, early days, the 90-mile beach, he's never forgotten it. He said, and I didn't have the common sense to grab the ball, mate. It would be worth thousands now. Well, it would be. <laughs> still brings, still makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up that most, those last couple of minutes when well, you not, hear it. Well, not mine it doesn't, but I tell you what, what hair I've me. got stands up. I've got it down as one of my ten most unbelievable, not unbelievable, the ten most poignant moments in the history of the game. And I tell you what, there's a lot of people agree with me. But tell us about getting on top of Collingwood on the day. All right, though, it's a missed kick. It wasn't. You had a, had a shot. It went through for a behind. But Collingwood slaughtered you in a home-and-away game earlier on that year, and they beat you in a final. How did you blokes turn it around uh, in, in in cooperation with Yabby's instructions? Look, I, we, we we played well in the wet against Essendon in the preliminary final, and that that got our confidence back in terms of what we were... We were unlucky in the second semi. We could have won that game as well. I think it was only seven points in it. But we played well against Essendon, and then we were well prepared in the week leading up to that game. Genesee made a couple of um, fairly um, significant plays and moves, and that was, A, bringing Bingley into the side to play on Tuddenham after he'd kicked seven against Daryl Griffiths. That released Daryl Griffiths back into the middle of the ground, yes. and he became a very effective player for us in the, on the grand final day. And it was just an all-round good performance from everybody in the side. Everybody contributed something during the course of the day, mm. whether that was a mark, a kick, a tackle, a shepherd, whatever it might be. We all did something, and we never, ever, ever gave up. And it was it was nip and tuck all day long. There was no more than ten points in it. We might have got the ten points out, but was just a kick most of the time and we never lost our cool and, and we we were um, just very steady at the um, at the crunch and, and I think probably we just lost our cool a bit in that last 30 seconds when mm. Waters ran the ball out to Tuddenham and Tuddy keeps saying to me he said like, I should have run another 10 or 20 metres I said Tuddy you wouldn't have got that far because yeah. Ross Smith was closing in on you and he wouldn't have given up and that was like that was the way we played all day and it's no good Barry Breen just coming up with woulda, coulda, shoulda because it didn't really happen. And a coulda and woulda, shoulda is a man that we affectionately know as the shadow, which was is Carl Dittrich, who I had on this program last year, one of the most uh, dedicated and loyal teammates I've ever been involved with. And I was glad to join him when he was skipper at Moorabbin because he used to punch a living suitcase out of me at Richmond and Geelong. But isn't that a sad story that the shadow doesn't have uh, a premiership medallion? But but such is the way of the game. And some of his efforts were a re- result of you being a very, very good side, but he missed out. He did. And uh, if, if anything, sometimes Carl was undisciplined and probably in today's game, you would have got some points and he wouldn't have got rubbed out. And it wasn't a very strong whack on Daryl Peoples. And, but he had form and I think the chairman of the tribunal, Al Foley at the time, wasn't his favourite uh, player. Yeah. Um, and it was just a set of circumstances that arise. And, and unfortunately, Carl's got to live with that. And you know, as you know, Carl and I have been great mates for years and years and years. And But he was part of the side. He got us there or helped to get us there, part of the team. And all he hasn't got is the medallion and perhaps the memories of playing on the day. Yeah. Um out of the uh, out of the break, when I go very very shortly, I'll be talking about the combination of Ian Stewart and Daryl Baldock. But you know, let's talk about the cowboy because he loves to talk about himself, and I've had him on this show as well. 
he just epitomised, like Brian Roberts did epitomise at Richmond, what team spirit both on and off the field is about. When things are real tough, the cowboy had a light line, but when you had to get your nose bleeding and run two 400s, one after the other, he was there doing his bit. He mightn't have been the fastest, but what a great team man. He was a great player, Cowdy, both ends of the ground. Great personality. The cowboy types, they... They weld clubs together, and, and he was a great storyteller. He was a great footballer, a great human being, and, and um, just a lovely, lovely man. And and wasn't everybody thought Cowdy was a, was a, a tough, dirty footballer? He wasn't. He he was a very talented, skillful player for his size and way ahead of his time. And if if you're picking players out of eras and say could they play today, Cowdy certainly would be in that mix, and uh, he would he would fit nicely into today's game because he had pace, he was quick, he could run, kick, do everything, um, and and a, as you say, made a great team man and would do a job that he was asked to do, uh, and did it all the time. This is the voice of Barry Breen, and this is your football life with the kindest regards of Tobin Brothers, folks. We celebrate lives when people pass on, but we celebrate lives when people are still alive and kicking because this man is a legend of the St Kilda Football Club. And out of the break, we talk about Stuart and Bulldog. We talk about uh, moving to Sydney. We talk about his times as a Sydney Swans general manager. And Barry Breen will join you and me and the rest of Australia out of the break. And there's plenty more to come on This Is Your Football Life. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Ah, oh, yes, and we're celebrating the footy life of Barry Breen, St Kilda legend. He did kick that point and he's got... Uh, a lot of good stories to tell. And first of all, Barry, in welcoming you back after the break, uh, the combination of Stewart and Bulldog, although Bulldog was a centre-half forward rivals, the Goggin and Wade combination, the Barry Price and Peter McKenna combination, and, you know, perhaps the Barrett and Royce Hart combination. It was just something to behold, and you were pretty glad they were on your side. Sure, sure was, Rex. They were, well... I've always said they're the two best players I've ever seen and you always pick guys you play with week in and week out. You see the others once or twice a year and, and, and the media wasn't as... You, they weren't as exposed back in those days when they were at their, in their prime. But Stewie was... Well, many would say he was the best player in the game and three Brownlow medals attest to that. And Baldock played centre-half forward at 5 foot 10 and was just... I put Baldock in front of Stewie just... And I still say that Bulldog's the best player I've ever seen. He, wow. He was fantastic. And um, what he did week in and week out for that side um, was unbelievable. And then you put Stewart into the equation and, and the way he used to come out of the centre of the ground and he could deliver a ball like nobody else at that time. Mm. Um, drop punt, lace out every time just about. He was just perfection. And they were just... As a 17, 18-year-old, 19-year-old, just to watch those two work um, was absolutely fantastic. And yeah. Two terrific blokes into the bargain. And uh, premiership uh, partners to this day until the end. Uh, 71, I reckon you had it all before you. Uh, you fixed up us in the wet in the preliminary final where Dietrich was uh, just amazing. Um, and then you went into 71 against Hawthorne, who could only kick five goals to three-quarter time, but then... Uh, Bob Ketty uh, got hold of uh, of the cat, and uh, Gary Colling just was one of those blokes at the right, wrong time at the the wrong place, and uh, they kicked five goals up to three quarter time. They kicked seven in the final term. It was just not in the script, Barry Breen. No, it wasn't, and and cat had 
Gary Collin had just done a fantastic call. He'd held Keddie almost kickless, and, and we were most unlucky that Kennedy didn't drag Keddie, and, and he nearly did. And for some reason, he left him on the ground and put him in the goal square because Hutto had some trouble with his ear. Something happened earlier in the game. Um, and then everything just went Hawthorne's way out of the centre of the ground. Carl was dominant in that third quarter, and, and he lost that dominance after three-quarter time. It might have been because Michael Porter gave him a whack behind the ear when he wasn't looking just yeah. before three-quarter time. But just the circumstances just changed completely. The momentum of the game swung because even in those days, you got the ball out of the centre of the ground, you had the momentum, and then Hawthorne took that, and we just couldn't get it back. Um, we tried hard and we went down by seven points eventually. But that 23-point lead at three-quarter time in those days should have been enough, but it wasn't because of what Bob Kitty did to us in that final quarter. Yeah. And I'll never forgive him. It's, exactly. Two great St Kilda names when the history of the game is written. St Kilda legends in Alan Jeans and, of course, Trevor Barker uh, both lost their battle with illness and... Uh, this cut everyone to the bone, but these two beautiful men were very, very close to you. They were just about family, weren't they? Pretty much. I, I played cricket with Jack for many, many years uh, at Cheltenham, and you know Trevor was just a snotty-nosed kid when we were doing that, and then he became the champion that he was. And, of course, um, Jeansy, well, he was like a father to me, and, and all the things that happened to me in football wouldn't have happened without um, without Alan Jeans and, and the support that he gave me. And... And the style of bloke he was, he was... Uh, everybody's got their weaknesses in life, Rex. I don't reckon he had one. Yeah. Well, not that we know about. And uh, that, that such was the uh, the, the man. Um, after Jeans, he gave it away in, uh, I think, 77. Rossi Smith came on board for a year. It just didn't work out. They got Mike Patterson. was exciting for a while. And then Jezza and later on, I think, Tony Jewell. But uh, did, the, did the end for you in 1982 come suddenly or did you know I'm getting to the end of this or like a lot of us do in that era the game's actually passing me by how, how did it come about Barry Breen well I was I was 34 mate in my last year and, and was playing intermittently and um, look I knew it was my time 34 years of age 301 games whatever it was and and Jezza was the coach at the time there was no wait for age you had to do exactly the same work as the 18 year olds they don't get. We weren't looked after the way they look after players today. It's a different science, and I knew it was time. I could have played, I reckon, another year, but off the bench or something like that. But I just accept the fact that I had a great run and yeah. uh, slowly went off into the West and played my last game in the twos. Um, the seconds made the finals, um, and they made the grand final. And Jack Clark said to me, he was the coach at the time, as the reserves said, Barry, we don't want you to play. We want yeah. to play the kids and. And I, I accepted that. I really enjoyed playing the seconds because you could get a kick. Um, <laughs> but also thought I offered something to the kids around me. And, yeah. and for Jack to say that was a disappointment. But hey, life's full of disappointments, mate. And hey, uh, you move on. You just move on. You start looking back, mate. You're going to end up with uh, a lot of grey hair, or in my case, no None. hair. You weren't very right. You weren't Horace Greeley and went west after that. You went northeast to Sydney. You, I did. You coached Balbane, uh, captain coach. You won a flag there out of three tries. Uh, Sydney Swans general manager. It's been your home for a long, long time. You've been in business uh, as an executive with uh, oil company Valvoline. It's all fallen into place for you up there. How do you think the Sydney sides are travelling as we speak? Um, I, was, I don't go to the footy very often these days, Rex, but I was at the footy on Saturday and uh, 
entertaining some customers of mine and watch the Swans play the Dogs, which was pretty good. Um, look, I enjoy football today. Sydney, great footy club, um, and have done marvellous things since they came to Sydney back in the in middle 80s. And where they were when I was the CEO to where they are today uh, is amazing. The chairman said at lunch, our facilities are the worst in the AFL. Okay. I nearly jumped up and said, well, you should have seen them in 1989. Yeah. They didn't exist. We had no facilities. So where they are today is, is a great achievement. The AFL support them. We know that. Um, there's some really dedicated people that have seen the Swans through the whole journey. And plus GWS and, and the side that they've got with all the kids playing. It's a tougher market out in the West. Um, it still is a very much a rugby league and soccer area, and they're fighting the Wanderers and, and the rugby league team. So that's a harder task. Uh, it's just a matter of whether the AFL go the journey in terms of the commitment to the dollars and, and ensuring that they keep their team together. Yeah, uh, Barry Breen is our special guest, and this is your football life for Tobin Brothers, who do celebrate lives. We're celebrating the life of a wonderful football person, and a St Kilda legend. Um, what are your thoughts on the proposed move of the Saints back to Moorabbin? Uh, a lot of people that I have a cup of coffee with say that, you know, Seaford's got nothing to do with the Saints. They're all beautiful facilities, that sort of thing. Some people go down there and can't even find it. But but do you just let that ride or do you think it's important? You know, Hawthorne have moved away from Glen Ferry, Richmond have stayed at Punt Road. What is the significance of Moorabbin? And more importantly, Barry Breen, what do you think the significance is of the Junction Oval at the suburb called uh, St Kilda? Look, I think the move back to Moorabbin is fantastic. They should never have gone to Seaford. It was a battle over five or six or eight poker machines. They should have redeveloped that oval 10 years ago. They've got a lease to, for another 33 years. It is our spiritual home. Some would argue that the Junction may be, but I think Moorabbin really fulfils the needs of of the club, the players and the supporters, and they can develop their own identity there. If that Junction Oval proposal had worked out, they would be sharing it with cricket. They did that 50, 60 years ago, and that's why they left, because they couldn't get a deal with cricket. They're their own control of their own destiny. It'll be a community hub uh, right in the heart of St Kilda Territory. They will still own Port Phillip Bay, from the junction to Portsea, mm. and uh, I think that will be just a wonderful outcome. There's a bit of work to do. We need to raise five million bucks to support the other people that are tipping in the dough, which is the state government and the local government. Um, I think it will secure the future of the footy club. Before we let you go, Barry Breen, it's been just lovely to chat because, you know, I've uh, known you as a dear friend for a long, long time and uh, Lynn and I got great memories. It's a long time since you used to put the milk bottles out, Rex, and put your dressing gown on, I know that. And and the slippers and all that sort of stuff. To get rid of us. Who was the bloke you had the most trouble with? You know, and I could just couldn't get over Nighty, but every week as a centre-half forward, you actually came up against absolute superstars and your time at Moorabbin was no different. Who who was really your nemesis? Well, I suppose Peter Knights was. Um, he arrived on the scene when I was reasonably established and I just couldn't get over what this young kid from Langwarren could do. He could jump, he could run, he could catch everything. And I was just at my wit's end. And Jeansy um, and I have used to have a lot of fun over the fact I said to him once before we ran out of the ground at Glenford, I said, yeah, do you think I could play him from behind? <laughs> Well, well yeah, that I can't tell you what he said well, to me. Well, <laughs> But I did, I did play in front, and 
unfortunately for Peter in 71, I, we went for a mark and I was in front and I caught it and Peter came over the top trying to catch it. Oh. And he came over the top of me and, and did his knee, unfortunately, and oh, missed no. the grand final. But we had some great battles. He was he was probably the best, but, you know, Johnny Williams, Ted mm. Potter, lots and lots of Lindsay McGee, you, um, from time to time, when Hafey put you down <laughs> to centre-half back in the... <laughs> 71's preliminary final. I think you played centre half back. Yeah, and did get the better of me in the wet. Couldn't believe that. No, um, me neither. And <laughs> um, it was uh, yeah, some great players and great times, and and uh, very fortunate to have spent that time, all that time at St Kilda, and and playing amongst those great players, meeting friends like yourself and and all the blokes we go through with you don't see a lot of each other but when you do you have a wonderful time and it's, it's, it's uh, as if it. it's as if you haven't uh, been away and no, it's no, just it a spe- special bond you know i see duper every now and again yep. or you hear from george young and goodness me couldn't we run a show on george young gee we'd take some ratings in but look, it's, it's, it's been very very lovely of you to share these memories today and folks that is barry breen he's a star of the game and a star of st kilda and barry this has been your football life and we appreciate your time today on our show thank you very much rick really appreciate it thanks mate if you'd like to hear extended versions of this interview check us on facebook.com forward slash tobin brothers funerals or you can follow us on twitter at rex football life this has been this is your football life and join us next week as again we go searching for some of the great memories of our great australian game in this is your football life